All right. Don Juan's and Dynasty are back, boys. Episode 14. Week 6 is officially in the books. And we're coming at you with a fun one this week. We're going to go ahead and do our segments as usual. We're also going to go into a little bit of how to rebuild your roster looking into the 2021 season. Whether that be you're no longer a contender, whether that you you know you're a contender and are trying to look to set yourself up again for the future, no matter it, we have the the cure for whatever ails you. Uh, and with that being said, I'm your host Mike, and I'm joined by John, yep, and Tim. What's up, boys? Welcome back for another week. Um, Want to go ahead and start off by saying if you are enjoying the pod. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and we post every week on Reddit. Um, we're trying to get a little bit more out there with social media, so please remember to try and do that if you haven't already. Uh, for John's sake, he's been putting some absolutely fire Instagram memes up um, on Twitter. I know I'm putting um, kind of like quick takes after some games, so trying to get discussions going there. Um John, I'll, I'll let you maybe plug at the end if you want anything with the Instagram chat. I think we're basically trying to get an Instagram <clears throat> chat going for start, sit, and any kinds of rapid-fire questions that the community has. Um, yeah, we already got a couple people in and a couple other podcasts. Uh, and it's been some good discussions so far, so join us. <clears throat> Absolutely. All right, with that, let's go ahead and get started. John, I'm going to hand it over to you to go over your first segment. Cool. Uh, so I... I'm going to talk about what happened last night with Zeke. Um, obviously, he didn't have the best game. He had a couple fumbles. Uh, and we even saw he kind of didn't fully get benched, but he kind of got taken out for a little bit, and Tony Pollard came in. Um, so I want to talk about, like, if you have him in Dynasty, what should you do with him? Because he's still a top five back, but he hasn't really been playing like it. Um, he doesn't have a 100-yard rushing game yet. Um, the only thing that's kind of keeping he, – he averages about 18 points a game, and the main reason is they've been behind and just throwing so much, and he's still involved in the passing game. Um, that being said, I know I own him in the league, and I am a Cowboys fan, so I'm a little biased, but he's – I think he's still a hold for now, depending on where your team's at, but I think if you're rebuilding, he might be a guy you should probably, you know, start sticking some feelers out and maybe sell him because – He's still a top five back, so you should still get, you know, get a pretty decent haul for him. And you should definitely get some picks. But it's starting to look like the wheels might be falling off the bus a little bit for old old Zeke boy. So uh, I wonder what you guys think about that. Uh, Mike, you can go first. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point, John. Um, when we did our running back rankings roughly a month ago now, one of the things I had explicitly said was, even though Elliot was my number two overall dynasty running back, I wasn't going and drafting, uh, or I wasn't going and trading for him in leagues where I didn't have him because I felt like the cost for that RB2 relative to the chance of a drop-off was too high. When you're talking about like the top two to three running backs, especially like CMC, Barkley pre-injury, Elliot, maybe even Kamara, you're looking Looking in the ballpark of two to three firsts, which is just it's it's too much. It can be even more than that for somebody like CMC. It can be as much as four firsts. Um, it, it can be too expensive to go in and acquire these guys unless you're making a late run. I actually think, to your point, John, it's an interesting buy window if you are a contender. But I do have to say, you, you're risking buying him basically slightly above his near peak, and there's a chance that the wheels fall off fast, like circa. Gurley, who's actually the same age as him. They're both 25. Actually, Gurley might have just turned 26. Yeah, Gurley's um, 26. 
but but Elliot is 25. So like when you start to talk about where is like the clip going to be, it doesn't mean Elliot's not going to be good and, and still a focal point of the offense. But I have a feeling he's kind of going to continue to have a somewhat difficult time this year. He's still going to be an RV one just through volume and the fact that there's so many injuries this year. But um, your line isn't what it used to be. I think that a lot of people might not know that a lot of the Cowboys line is injured. Um, I think one of your linemen retired during the off season. Yeah, uh, uh, Frederick retired. Tyron Smith is hurt. Uh, Zach Martin just got hurt last night. And they have a couple guys playing out of position and stuff. Their, their line's a mess. Yeah. And, and with Andy Dalton as the quarterback, it's going to force people to push up in the box, even though those weapons are really good, just because it's, it's not the same as when Dak was there. They're yeah. also getting behind a lot because the defense isn't keeping the games close and they can't lean on the run the way they want to. So Zeke's – I'm not, like, going to slam the alarm here, but I, I think this is a good call out, John, because – you're in a weird spot with Elliot the rest of the year. There's a chance that if you don't tell him in the next two, three weeks after a good game, um, at the end of this year, he could fall out of like the top five RBs, especially as like other RBs that are young rookies or people like Jacobs and Sanders push their way up into that tier. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm, I'm not like panicking yet, but uh, it also might be a good time to pick up Pollard because they are going to be falling behind a lot. And honestly, Zeke's dropped a lot of passes. Um Luckily for him, Pollard really hasn't done much yet, but I think he was more of the like receiving back um, when they brought him in. Um, so I think he will probably start to get, get some more touches. It's, uh, I definitely agree that Pollard's a good pickup right now. I think he should be on everyone's roster anyway, just because he does look talented. And on a Cowboys team that loves to work the running back, it can't hurt to have you know the backup to one of the best in the league. And I also am worried, just like you guys, but like John says, don't panic just yet. The guy just had, you know, I think he's gotten under 15 points twice and one of them is 14.8 for uh, these games in the first six games of the season. He's playing really well. It's just, you know, fumbleitis. He just got really unlucky with the fumbles in these first few weeks. And that's a statistical anomaly. He's a talented back. He hasn't had fumble issues before. This isn't like a Steven Ridley type where you're thinking, oh, here he goes again. So I think that this is just a streak of bad luck during a weird season with a lot of injuries on the O-line, and he's not getting much help. I, I think another thing to point out here, too, is that, you know, as you guys all as you guys know, that there was the news this week uh, about Bell signing with Casey and how you know, it was really alarming people with um, essentially the fact that Clyde is going to be splitting work more now, which is inevitable. But the reason I bring this up is because what you're starting to really see across the league is even a guy like Elliot's job and how much of a market share of his total touches he gets in that backfield. It kind of waned a little bit last night. It doesn't, you know, I'm not going to say he's not going to get 70% of the touches moving forward, but I think that still a lot of people in dynasty haven't come around to the fact that most RBs are going to be splitting touches in some capacity Um, with the exception of really somebody like CMC, who, who knows when Mike, you know, Mike Davis has been playing well, they might try to make sure that they keep him healthy when he comes back. Even somebody like Alvin Kamara shares with Latavius Murray um, and he's still an RB one. So I think one thing I do want to point out to your, to your suggestion, John, is it, it's likely as Elliot gets a little bit older that they do start to split carries a little bit more of the second back to keep him fresh. Yeah, totally agree. Cause I mean, Pollard last year looked very good in like the limited stuff that he got. And, you know, I think, I think he's going to slowly just get worked in more and more, especially if Zeke keeps fumbling. Mm-hmm. 
Not to mention that Elliott has taken a beating. He's taken a lot of touches behind that line, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, sure. f- fair enough. I don't I don't have anything else on that. I'm going to go ahead and move into uh, my segment, if that's all right with you guys. Good with me. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. All right. Um, so, my segment for this week was doing a little time capsule work. Um, my segment is going to be around basically the rookie RV report. <clears throat> And what I kind of wanted to get into in terms of analysis was taking a look at the first six weeks of the season with regards to how it actually has impacted running backs to date that are kind of in this, you know, the rookie five is what I would call it. There were five key marquee rookies that people really wanted to get their hands on. Um, Kind of before the season, I always saw it as there was a very clear tier of one, two, and that was Jonathan Taylor. And that was, um, you know, Clyde, Clyde being the one, Jonathan Taylor being the two. And I think what you're starting to see now is maybe a potential adjustment to those tiers. I think the secondary tier was um, kind of Swift and Dobbins. And then, and then I had acres in his own tier way at the bottom. Cause I just wasn't a big acres guy. And what I wanted to do was kind of go over my assessment of what we've seen out of these guys to date. Um, you know, who should you be panicking about potentially and who you should be kind of looking to still buy if you can afford them. Cause I think the truth is with these guys now that they're going to be so expensive, it's going to be nearly impossible really to afford them in, in most cases. Um, so that being said, I'm going to go ahead and start at the top and uh, I'm going to go with Clyde Edwards Hilaire here. He is officially RB 11 on the year in 0.5 PPR. But one thing that's interesting about how few touchdowns he's had, he's only had one, um, if he had two touchdowns, he'd be RB seven, nearly RB six on the year. And that's just with two touchdowns. So, you know, he's looked really, really good. Um, he actually leads the league in yards from scrimmage. So I think that's worth calling out two through six weeks. Uh, and he looked really good last night. So, you know, Clyde, I still am really excited about in leagues where for whatever reason, people are getting scared about the bell news. I know, we kind of tweeted out about this. I discussed it a little bit on the side. I would certainly not be panicking. And I'm sure after 160 yard game, Clyde owners are going to be happy. Um, there was also a report by Roto world for whatever this is worth that Andy Reed was interviewed about the acquisition of bell. And the long story short there is that when bell costs essentially the vet minimum of 660 K you know, it was a logical no brainer move for Andy Reid to bring in some security so that he could spell Clyde. And he actually said in that report that he doesn't want to take touches away from Clyde, whether or not that happens in practice. I think it's too early to say that being said, it's more likely that bell comes in and replaces Damian Williams uh, third down and potentially some of the goal line work versus coming in and having like a 50, 50 split. So we're going to have to see how this looks in practice, but long story short, I'm still super, super excited about, um, Clyde, I still am very bullish. I think if you can go out and get him for whatever discount that's possible for, you should absolutely go and do that. Um, yesterday, his his talent was on display. And I think a lot of people are not really noticing that he's very consistently making the first guy miss. He's not getting these massive chunk plays. I think yesterday he had a long of 31, which was a season long. But he, you know, he's running well behind a, a actually like a pretty bad line. Um, Casey's line is very dinged up right now. Uh, it's a much better passing line than running line. And he actually is at 4.7 yards per carry on the year. So, you know, he looks really good. He has 21 receptions, and 177 receiving yards on top of everything else, over 500 rushing on the ground already. So still a huge Clyde guy. I think if anybody is panicking, go by, but, uh, what, what say you guys about Clyde? 
No, I, I mean, I agree 100%. And like you said about the touchdowns, I know we talked about it not on the podcast, but um, you were saying the same thing happened to Kareem Hunt in the first couple of games where Andy Reid just, you know, he just wasn't getting the goal line touches. Um, so, like, that's nothing to worry about. That'll, that'll start coming along. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I also agree. And uh, from what you said about he's not getting the huge chunk plays, I think that's totally fine because on a Kansas City offense that has home run hitters, at almost every other position, it is more than okay to have, you know, a nice steady presence of six to 10 yards on any random play. That That's more than good enough. That's what he's there for. And that's what makes you, that's what makes you a long-standing running back in this league. To be honest with you, it's not about just having your long flashy plays. Like Kenyon Drake is a quote unquote home run hitter. Clyde has much better vision, not that these are even on comparable fields, but, like, just to draw a point, Kenyon Drake is a fast home run hitting running back. Clyde is a much better, you know, getting 5, 10, you know, 15-yard running back, and that's going to keep you consistently in the league, and it's going to keep you on the field more than you think because Clyde's always making positive plays, and at the end of the day, coaches see that, and it values um, the running backs that can do that a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and so just for a last aside, so he has 84.7 fantasy points on the year. He's averaging 14.1 fantasy points a game. So, you know, that's, again, without the touchdowns, he's at a very safe floor. Certainly would not be overly worried about him. Um, with that being said, I'm going to go into the next RB on the list. And, by the way, I did these in order of where they are overall in fantasy points scored. Um, but I also still think it's probably realistically where I would rank these guys too. So, Next up is Jonathan Taylor, who is RB16 on the year. Uh, I think the quick hitter notes on Jonathan Taylor is he's still learning the position. There are times where he's kind of run into his linemen uh, or he's not seen the hole correctly. He's tried to out athletic people, which at the next level is just a lot more difficult to do. And and I think the other thing to point out here is that uh, teams are not honestly respecting the pass at all. This was the first week where we saw teams get punished for not doing that. But long story short, they're definitely stacking the box somewhat against Jonathan Taylor, which is unusual treatment for a rookie, Um, but it is happening. So right now he has 89 rushes for 367 yards and three touchdowns at a 4.1 yards per carry clip. I think the other thing to point out here is that his receptions are, you know, very healthy. He has 16 for 162. For reference, Clyde has 21 receptions for 177. So they're actually pretty comparable in terms of the receiving yardage they've gotten to date. Um, and it's apparent that Jonathan Taylor can catch, even if it's in the same vein as Leonard Fournette, that still gets you fantasy points. He might not be an Alvin Kamara catcher, but he can catch the football and he certainly will with the rivers dumping the ball off a thousand times a game. So that's kind of my quick hits for, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Again, I'd still be happy if you had him, his floor has been good and he's still learning the position a little bit. I think people maybe expected him to be like RB five on the year after Marlon Mack went down for the year. If there are owners like that, they're disappointed in his performance. I would say go and target them. Jonathan Taylor is still a buy. Um, the fact that he's RB16 with all of these things kind of working against him, you know, it's still very exciting to me. So he's a buy. Go get him if you don't have him and you can purchase mm-hmm. him in a league. Uh, what do you guys say? The same thing. Uh, if you can buy him, definitely do it. Uh, I try to uh, not always say, as I read on Reddit, but I am on there a lot. So I like to speak whatever the community or just the general <laughs> you know, talk that I see. Yeah. Voice of the people. And Oh my God, there are some dumb people on there. They're so dumb. It's just with the Clyde Edwards Hilaire new or Hilaire, however you say his name. He, 
when Bell was signed, everyone was freaking out. They were saying, well, not everyone, but there were quite a few vocal minority people of, oh my gosh, Bell is going to eat into his touches. With Jonathan Taylor, it was the same thing. It was, why is he not the running back five? It's unreal that he's not. And not everyone can be Adrian Peterson right off the bat. He's 21 years old. There was absolutely no preseason, and he's running back 15 right now. Josh Jacobs was running back 17 last season. You don't need to be running back to be an elite top five dynasty running back. So I think that people shouldn't be worrying about Jonathan Taylor. He's doing just fine. Yeah, I agree with what both of you guys said there. So, I, I, One thing I want to point out, too, so this is just to go back to the, the Reddit community. First off, Reddit community, we still love you. Um, everybody's <laughs> going to have differing opinions on – what they see as the true value of a player. I think one thing that's really important to point out is dynasty is a very fast growing game and a lot of people are still getting used to it. Um, One thing that people that feel like they should still be seeing more of Jonathan Taylor, just keep in mind for all these rookie running backs that there was no preseason. So a lot of these guys kind of came in and literally had to start figuring it out the first couple of weeks of the year. And even though running back is the easiest transition of most positions that you're going to see from a fantasy standpoint, it doesn't mean it's completely straightforward. And sometimes the system is a little bit more complex than you think. Like it takes a while for a guy like Jonathan Taylor to figure out that if he pushes to the outside on a, you know, directed up the middle run, that sometimes he's going to get punished for that because linebackers are way faster in the NFL than they are against Wisconsin competition. So just want to point out that like, it's important to understand the context of what your players are doing here. Yeah, that, that's a big thing. Even guys like – I mean, this is a completely different position, but even Tom Brady said in an interview where he's like, I hate preseason, but this this would have been a very good year to have a preseason because he even started off pretty slow, and like and now it's week six or whatever, and he's starting to heat up. So, like, everyone needs a preseason and stuff, especially these rookies. So, can't really get disappointed if they have a slow start. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely agree. Okay, um, I'm going to go into the third RB on this list. And this is a little bit of a um, surpriser for most people because I don't think that they realized until this week that he was actually having a pretty good year already. But RB27 on the year is DeAndre Swift. Um, so this this past week, hello, DeAndre Swift had a 100-yard rushing game and two-touchdown game as a rookie. The last running back to do that, as I tweeted out, was Barry Sanders in 1989. So for all those people that said – you know, I don't want the Detroit you know, Lions running back because they haven't figured it out. Uh, it looks like they might have figured it out. Now, how long Patricia is here and continues to be the bane of the existence of all Swift owners, that I can't tell you. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Adrian Peterson still leads the backfield and touches next week. But I think what's clear at this point is carry on is very much so in the dust. Um, and unlike some of the other running backs I'm going to talk about, with Carrion, who's the only real young competition, Adrian Peterson's not going to be there forever. Um, Adrian Peterson might actually be helping Swift learn the position, which I don't think a lot of people have thought about. And funny enough, this is actually very ironic. First off, DeAndre Swift has, through his before this game this week, he had more points in his first four fantasy games than Alvin Kamara did. And to follow that up, Alvin Kamara, when he was a rookie, actually started behind Adrian Peterson, too. Um before Adrian Peterson got traded. So long story short, not that Swift is Kamara, but situations in the NFL can, can change fast. And if you were fading a guy like Kamara at the time of, you know, 
the draft when he was first there because of Adrian Peterson. Just make sure you have a little bit of patience because I think this week you saw what Swift's upside could be. He's currently, um, you know, at 60.9 fantasy points on the year. He has 26 rushes for 158 yards and three touchdowns on the ground for a 6.07 yards per carry clip. And he has 16 receptions for 131 yards and one touchdown receiving. So for receptions, he's not very far behind Clyde. He has the same amount of receptions as Jonathan Taylor on way less snaps. Uh, and he's the only one who have converted a receiving touchdown out of the group. Further, even if you take out Swift's 54-yard run yesterday, he was still at 4.16 yards per carry on the season. So, like, it's not just because of that one play that he's having a good, you know, year on the ground. He's very much so legit, and I'm very excited if I have him. And, you know, the final point here is he is lagging, you know, CEH by 24 points. He's lagging Jonathan Taylor by 18 points. He's also already had his bye. So on fantasy points per game, he's actually only 1.9 points behind Clyde, and he's one point behind Jonathan Taylor. So my biggest shift here from before was I think I had Clyde and Jonathan Taylor in their own tier. And then my next tier was DeAndre Swift and Dobbins. I think my new shakeup here is I have Clyde, Jonathan Taylor, and Swift all in that tier one now. Swift is still the number three in that group, but I think I'm going to put Swift above because I just, I like what I'm seeing a lot. Um, And I think that his owners should be excited. And if you can get him anywhere still, you should be looking to get him. Uh, Obviously I'm probably the most biased Swift person on planet earth. So I'll go ahead and ask you, John and Tim, what do you guys think about that assessment? Tim, I'll let you All I really first. have to add to that is I really like that he is starting to differentiate himself from the pack, even when he couldn't beat out Adrian Peterson a little earlier in the season directly for rushing attempts. He was being used as the receiving back, like we all saw, I'm sure. Unfortunately, he was getting targeted in the receiving game in very clutch moments and dropped the ball. But the faith that they were having for him to catch the ball and to be a contributor in the offense, really, really good to see. And also, uh, he's getting more work every week. He just had his big blow-up game, and uh, I wouldn't worry too much about Peterson. Like you said, he's not going to be there forever. And even if it is kind of a DeMarco Murray and uh, Derrick Henry situation, it works out. After a year or two, you will, or he will have the backfield all to himself, and you will be very happy that you got him on your team. And one last thing I wanted to add. Oh, sorry. Just and- one last thing. When, yeah, you got it. Well, yeah, well, I was just – yeah, you know. <laughs> I, I, okay. I just wanted to say uh, because you said with the breakouts and um, maybe buy them before they really break out or the running backs, they might be a little hard to buy if they've been producing. Swift was the last guy to break out in the big three. So I guess the window is gone now for people to really buy low on him. Yeah, and, and the only thing I was going to say that was exciting about Swift to me is you're not going to – well, who knows because it's Detroit. But really, Detroit likely is going to be trailing in a lot of games this year. And even if they get cute and continue to only give Swift some kind of weird receiving pseudo role, going to like harken back to when Theo Riddick was a usable flex PPR running back. You know, Swift is going to have a safe floor because they're always going to be able to dump it off and use it in that way already. More so, Swift's already getting used on the goal line. His touchdowns were one yard and six. So, like, I don't think – Weirdly enough, you know, Taylor is like the goal line back and there's some worry about Clyde being the goal line back right now, but it doesn't seem like Swift's size is keeping Patricia away from keeping him at the goal line. He has the most total touchdowns of any rookie running back right now. So, you know, at some point, and that's with a bye week included. So what's clear to me is that the touchdown upside is very much apparent, whereas a guy like Clyde has struggled in that department so far. 
Yeah, I mean, the only, I agree with that. The only thing I have to say is um, with Adrian Peterson being there, like, it really just means on Johnson is just kind of – he's completely done. But, I mean, like you said, if you if you can find anyone who's still a little freaked out about how many running backs they have, definitely go buy them. It's going to be tough after last game, but if you can do it, that's great. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm going to go to Dobbins in a second. And my thing with Dobbins is I still like Dobbins a lot. So the long story short here is the only guy that I've soured on really is Akers, which I'm going to get to further. But my reason for not putting Dobbins into this tier is because um, I like the I like the way that the usage is going to shake out for the three up top. For Dobbins, it's just weird to me because I think that, you know, Baltimore is always going to have some kind of a weird two to three headed monster and Lamar is going to get a lot of touches. So we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm going to go into Dobbins now officially, but uh, one thing to point out with Dobbins specifically here is one of the things I think Dobbins is going to have a little bit of a difficulty with is right now, what we're noticing in Baltimore, and I'm saying this as a Ravens fan is Lamar has looked very questionable throwing the ball throughout the year and one of the things that people are hoping for is if Lamar could take another step forward um, passing the ball, there would be more rush attempts for some of these running backs and less total rush attempts for Lamar. So we're just not seeing it right now. Um, you know, again, last year, Mark Ingram had five yards per carry. So if he gets similar usage, I think he'll, you know, he'll perform well. He's looked explosive when he's been out there. It's less so a Dobbins thing, and it's more so that the Ravens seem very reliant on using a specific scheme. And I don't know if Dobbins is going to push them out of that scheme, at least right now. And I'm saying that, like, as a Ravens fan. Um, So long story short, Dobbins is RB39 on the year. Again, I don't think this is a knock on him. We all knew he was going to be behind Ingram and possibly Gus Edwards to start the year. He has 25 rushes for 154 yards and two touchdowns. He is leading all running backs in yards per carry um, with 6.16. So he's a, he's a scooch above Swift, who's at 6.07. Um, and he has 11 receptions for 74 on the ground. So he's looked good when he's on the field. Um, not going to take anything away from Dobbins. I'm just not convinced that even if Dobbins becomes the guy next year, that he's going to push into the same tier as some of like these uber elite running backs, just because of how Baltimore is as a franchise. Um you know, Ingram's injury happened at a timely time, too, because I think the Ravens' buy is coming up this week. So the chance of Dobbins to emerge further post-buy, I'm just not sure if it's going to happen this year. Uh, I know, John, you probably have a rebuttal because you're a very big Dobbins truther. So what are, what are you thinking about Dobbins' performance thus far and thoughts on that? Well, I mean, no, like you said, he's looked really good when he's out there. But for some reason, Gus the Bus keeps getting the ball, too. Um, and, I mean, I don't. I don't like when people get hurt, but I kind of want to see Ingram miss a game just to see how they divvy up the touches between him and Gus Edwards. Um, Cause I think that'll be a good tell for next year if Ingram's not there. Um, but Ingram, I mean, Ingram looks, he looks like he's slowing down a lot. Dobbins actually has more points on the year than Ingram. Just yeah, so you know, he, by one point. He, he looks, he looks like the wheel has already fell off the bus and then in comes Gus the bus. But, that's another thing. I, I, I don't really have much to Tim, add. Uh, you have any thoughts? You guys said it all. He's efficient, but he's just not getting the volume, and it's one of those wait and see things. But if you draft, if you draft someone that high, you know, yeah, you're, you're not I, gonna I, panic. I I do like how he's he's pretty much mm-hmm. been the only one out there on third down though. 
which is at least at least he gets a couple dump offs a game. Um, I don't know. It's frustrating. I I, I well, still I think he's. Oh, we'll get into this later, so I won't say it. But um, you go. Well, to your, I, I think you're probably gonna, you know, indicate he's still a buy, and I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I will say he has nine carries for 28 yards last week against the Eagles, which was a 3.1 yards per carry clip. That was the most carries he's had in a game. Um, and he was kind of the feature back for a little bit when Ingram went out. I know they still were using him and Gus sparingly. But one of the things I wanted to point out as a Ravens fan, um, I saw this question posted on a forum a couple of weeks ago, and it was asking Ravens fans, basically as viewers of the game, do, do you think that the way that the Ravens use running backs and cycle them, that it makes it hard for any one guy to get in a groove? Um, so I just wanted to go off you know, and actually say, I, I don't know for sure if the way that they're explicitly using these guys is killing us um, in terms of the efficiency for them. I, I think that their system worked really effectively with rotating the running backs last year. So I'm not going to poo poo the system. I think it depends on the running back though. Some running backs do need high volume to get in a rhythm. So that is a problem that Dobbins might struggle with if they don't give him more touches. Yeah, but I, I agree with that, but I could also see them running the hot hand a little bit. Um, like if you start to get in a rhythm, you're going to get more of the touches. So, but yeah, I can see how that could be a problem. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to go over my last guy really quick. And that's acres. Um, acres is RB 85 on the year, uh, 12.2 total fantasy points, 3.1 fantasy points per game. Uh, caveat here. He was injured for part of the season. So I want to point that out too. Um, a quick question for you guys. John and Tim, did uh, you guys, do you guys know who Alec Ingold is? Yeah, he's, yep. Yeah, Alec Ingold oh, has more fantasy points than Cam Akers this year with uh, 13. So just, just, <laughs> just thought that was a fun fact. Uh, he has 26 rushes for 113 yards on the year, uh, 4.34 yards per carry. So he's doing fine on the ground. Daryl Henderson, 4.83 yards per carry is much higher. Quick hits here is I would be very worried if I had Acres. He is clearly out of the top four for me. Um, anybody who is taking Acres over any of the other ones, I honestly just think you're nuts. I still think you're nuts. Um, it's not even an Acres thing at this point. Daryl Henderson is a year older than him, um, so they have no incentive to get rid of Daryl Henderson. This is looking like it's going to be a two-headed beast, and Daryl Henderson's look better at, with more healthy game action. So. Yeah, if I have Acres, I'm not going to lie. I'm panicking a little bit. Um, I'm not going to buy him because I think he's still too expensive to buy. Uh, and he's in his own spot. He's way down on the list. I think the top tier for me is now three guys. The second tier is a little bit of space between Dobbins and Swift. And then following that, I have Acres at a dead last there out of those five. Um, real quick, do you guys have thoughts on Acres? Uh, my only thought is uh, – thank you, Timmy. Um, my only thought is, yeah, obviously not buying him. Um, but if you can still sell him to somebody who values him like they did pre-draft, I'd consider it. So, because I'm assuming he probably got drafted, you know, around 10 to 12. So if you could get something, if you could get a first next year or something, I'd probably consider that. I'm looking. I think he went earlier. To be honest with you, I think he was the like the fourth. <laughs> In some leagues, he went 10 in ours, and ours is abnormal. Um, yeah, I think he normally off. would go – he would normally go four to five in a rookie draft. Um, he went probably over both wide receivers, 
which I thought was crazy at the time too. If you took him over Judy or, or Lamb, I just I get it. He's a starting running back, or he was supposed to be a starting running back. Jerry, Judy, and Lamb are just clearly better talents um, to me. Post you know post draft looking back and pre draft too. So it's crazy. I, I certainly overall in the rookie ranks, I have him no higher. I would if somebody offered me Justin Jefferson for Acres, I would take that so quickly you wouldn't even know oh, no that it, I, I had seen the offer. It would have been instant accepted. Oh yeah. How about, uh, oh. So yeah, no question. I would probably take Raker. Like in the one and a half games I've seen of Raker, I just I don't want any part of Akers. I, I really now, don't. what if you were a team? Yep. Let's Agreed. say you were a bottom of the barrel team, and uh, I guess this is kind of a nice segue into our buy low players. Would you look into buying Akers from a very panicked owner? Because I'm looking at a situation where, uh, just in our 14 team league, we have a team who's in second place and his flex players are not very good. Would you somehow trade like a strong flex player and a second round pick for Cam Akers? Do you think that would be worth it? What's what's a strong flex player? Yeah, some, like Jared yeah. McKinnon without something around like that type of like, value talking... where you know it's a guy where he has value for this season, but going forward you're not sure. But this is kind of like you're you're competing now. Are you willing to give up this running back that you drafted highly and you're waiting for him to produce? Are you willing to give that up for a guy that is producing right this second, but only for this season? Uh, I'll give you two scenarios: McKinnon and a second. I would, yes, I would do that because I'll take the risk. I'll give you another example of a strong flex play that I would not do, and that is like Tyler Boyd in a second. Like, no, no way. Like, if it's a legitimate player that's actually going to have longevity in the league, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Um, I understand what Acres could be. I also understand what Acres could not be. You need guys that score points. So even in a rebuild, like mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd's not a bad rebuild piece. He's not that old. So, no, Boyd, Boyd's only 25. Yep. So he's he's actually a pretty good rebuild piece, but um, yeah, no, I I don't. The thing is, I mean, if you're already in second place without McKinnon, I feel like McKinnon doesn't add that much because even if Mostert misses two more games, like after that, McKinnon, we saw what happens when Mostert comes back. Um, right, I agree. That's so why it's if, fool's gold. Yeah, so if if I'm winning and I have Acres and someone mm-hmm. offered me that, I'm Very just fair. gonna hold Acres in my opinion. But, um, but yeah, if you're rebuilding and you can offer a second for him, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's worth a shot. I think. Fair enough. Okay. That's, that's a good question, Tim. And like you said, I think that leads us into our next segment very nicely. So our main segment for tonight is going to go into um, kind of, if you're looking at your roster and you're saying, what does 2021 hold for me? We're going to go into some buy high and buy low exciting players to own on your team for 2021. Now this, I want to have the caveat here. This doesn't necessarily mean you're rebuilding. It means that these are pieces that ultimately the value of them either will go up or it's going to stay the same next year. And it's worth getting in on this player. If you can, that's how, that's at least how I looked at it. Um, If you're rebuilding, there's definitely some really clear um, rebuild pieces that I think most people are going to know to target a little bit. So maybe you, John, and you, Tim, have a little bit of a different system with this. But the way we're going to go into these um, is we're going to go into QB by high, uh, QB by low, RB by high, RB by low, wide receiver by high, uh, wide receiver by low. 
And we're just going to see how many of these we can get through. Um, and any we don't, maybe we're going to kick it into the segment next week. Uh, do you guys have any general thoughts on just building out your roster and strategies for 2021 before we go into the lists? Yeah, um, a little bit. I just think because of Corona and everything that's going on, there's not going to be a lot of film out on some of these guys. Um, you know, I mean, outside of the, you know, the top five picks or something. So my strategy would be, obviously you want one of those early picks, but I'm going for more, you know, mid to late round seconds. Um, because like, look at even guys like Antonio Gibson who fell that far. Um, I think there's going to be a mo- lot more players like that just because there's not going to be a lot so of film shotgun. and not going to be a lot of stuff. Like shotgun off approach. Of. So that's, that's my strategy. Yeah, more of a shotgun approach. I mean, you, you'll have to do some research, obviously, but definitely more of a shotgun approach because outside of the top guys, you know, there's a lot of variables this year. Like, look at even, like, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Like, imagine if he didn't have last year to break sure. out. Like, no one really would have known who he was. <clears throat> there's going to be a lot of players like that that aren't going to get their shot because maybe they opted out or, you know, whatever. Um, my my uh not strategy but it's uh, more of a caveat it's not about the draft picks but it's about the type of buy low players that we're about to be looking at and i just wanted to say that there is no sure thing i've seen so much online where someone says oh but how do we know that he's going to get better and he's not going to get worse you never know true buy lows are buy lows for a reason and there's no guarantee they bounce back like until this week Kenyon drake was a buy low and even now he still is a buy low do we know that he's going to be there next year and if he's going to be productive? No, we don't know that. But the odds are so slim that you can buy low on a potential top five player. So for me with these buy lows, I'm looking at kind of uh, the wide receiver two, wide receiver three, like that kind of range. Because I don't think that there is a buy low player that will be a, a stud on your roster for years to come. <clears throat> Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I think mean, it's a it's a shot. And and a caveat there is like that's kind of why I looked at some buy highs because in some ways it's almost like which of these guys is le- like legit slash which of these guys is worth still paying a lot of money for because you feel good about what they're going to be doing on their roster in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I agree. One uh, <laughs> one quick note on Kenyon Drake: any running back who plays the Dallas Cowboys the next week becomes a a sell high in my opinion, because <laughs> pretty much every running back comes in and shreds the Cowboys. Like, Kenny Drake wasn't doing shit until he played the Cowboys. Um, so, yeah, anyone who plays the Cowboys, sell them afterwards. Yeah, Kenny, I was going to win in my in my league. Uh, I was up by .2, um, and then Kenyon Drake scored the 80-yard touchdown, and Zane Gonzalez got an extra point, and I lost by .8. <laughs> so, uh, Kenyon Drake, you're you're a heartbreaker, man. You do this to people every year. Last year, the amount of people that you ruined their fantasy uh, championship opportunities, the amount of people that bought you this year and you just blew it for them, you're you're a special gem. And I have to think that somehow Adam Gase got to you. That's what I'm starting <laughs> to think. Adam Gase polluted you, uh, and he made you this way. And and for that, I'm not even mad at you. I'm just disappointed. Um, <laughs> I'm disappointed the Cowboys too because you literally just had to not give up an 80-yard touchdown. It's it's a you guys are like a pasta strainer. Like everything gets through you guys. If I had water, it just goes right through. Unreal. Oh yeah, it's it's fun to watch. Rant over. R- rant over. Rant <laughs> over. Let's let's go into QBs. I'm gonna start with a QB buy high, guys. Um, and my QB buy high is Justin Herbert. Uh, oh, he's you QB mother. That's good. If we have All overlap, right. we might get through more guys. He's QB seven on the year. 
uh, with 23.3 points per game. I think, uh, long story short here, and I'm sure John has more flavor, so I won't, I won't spoil it for John, but I think he looks legit. Um, if you got him a lot later than Burrow, you look to have gotten very good value. Um, he's not in my Burrow tier, but he certainly has looked really, really good, and he has a lot of good weapons around him, and he has a lot of good coaches to help him succeed with a franchise that's stable. So if you got Herbert, uh, he looks legit, and if you don't have Herbert and you're looking for some stability – and people, for whatever reason, are still kind of not super excited about Herbert. Go buy him. Yeah, well, Mike, I agree with you because uh, he's my guy, too. Um, and the only thing I really have to say um, is that he's still cheaper than Burrow. Um, but yep. even though he's been playing pretty similar, and I, I'd have to look at the points, but he's probably put up similar fantasy points. Um, so for some Very reason, if people – Yeah, so if, for some reason, like you said, if people are still – little iffy about uh, Herbert. You know, I know Tim's compared him to Drew Locke and, you know, is not being accurate and stuff like that. So if you can find someone that still thinks that, definitely go get him. He has 23.3 points per game on games. He started Joe Burrows at 16.2. Yep. So Joe Burrows also on a worse team with a, with an even worse line, but. Oh, that's, that's by no means a knock on Joe Burrow. I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying agreed. people still think he's like, tiers below Burrow, but he's been playing. I just better, wanted to say, so I, I don't think completely. that you can get him for not a reasonable price, but um, I don't I don't know. I think the price that you're giving up would be so great because right now, if you're holding on to Herbert and you think that you're a competing team, he's already producing right now. So there's no reason to sell him. If you're rebuilding, you have Herbert. He's, you know, 22 years old right now. So there's no reason for you to get rid of him. So it's almost like, uh, you know, it's hard to buy a good young player like that. That's why he's a buy high. Buy high, yep. You, know. but you literally just defined a buy high. But um, <laughs> counter argument, counter argument for you. Um, I feel like a lot of teams that have him uh, probably drafted him a little later because he slid. So they might already have a quarterback. So especially if you're in a rebuild, you could use one of your better position players to go get Herbert. For example, a guy in our league who has Lamar Jackson and Herbert, it happens to be a one quarterback league, offered me Justin Herbert for a guy like Eckler. So I think the counterpoint is the person who has him probably drafted him later. Mm. So he might already have and a quarterback who can and and, uh, dish I was out just, Herbert. Uh, so. saying the fact that, you know, it, it's not like a, a Dak Prescott player where you have an established guy who's done this for years. So it's like, you know, he, he's young and he's he's doing this. So it's like, uh, you know, if, if I was rebuilding, I, I would uh, struggle trying or wanting to get rid of him because he's so young and so good right now. Oh, if you're rebuilding, you're not trading him. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, John, you have the same buy high. Um, so I guess buy high, I honestly – couldn't think of one because again it's just no I, I had two buy low quarterbacks I have buy low or I buy high running back and a buy high wide receiver <laughs> but for the quarterbacks I, did, I had two buy lows uh, Timmy what do you do around here man yeah I thought it was pretty straightforward all right well he he's taking shots at the reddit community I hope hey reddit community Dude. if you guys see this take shots at him on the comments yeah, we should put up a poll to see if Timmy should get voted off, honestly. I could, yeah, I could, I'd be completely fine with that. Uh, okay. Uh, with Love that you, being Timmy. Said, Just kidding. 
let's okay, go ahead so and go into as I was saying lows. before, there the is lows. no guarantee for these buy lows, but um, this this came to me today. Uh, a league mate of ours, um, he had he only has two quarterbacks, and one of them is Drew Locke, and the other is Baker Mayfield, and he just put Baker Mayfield up on the uh, trade block, and I'm pretty sure he's hoping to get a deal that I sent him earlier, and the deal was for Daniel Jones, Philip Rivers, a second, and Mike or Mike. Devin Singletary. So if that's where his value is being estimated right now, it's, it's got the crazy. You can get Mike Singletary if, though. <laughs> but if you could get Prime Baker Mike Mayfield Singletary for an old quarterback, a young struggling quarterback, and a late or a mid to late second and a middling running back, I think that's a hell of a price to get a 25 year old quarterback who is very talented. His rookie year, he had 27 touchdowns, only 14 interceptions. This is as low as his value will ever be. And he only played bad against two teams with very strong defenses. The number one defense in the Ravens. And uh, I think the Steelers might actually be the number one. The Ravens number two. But just the top two defenses in the league. Those are the only two bad games he's had. And he has a great supporting cast. He's had a lot of different head coaches and uh, coordinators. So hopefully once he gets some consistency, he'll take off. I think that the ceiling is there, or the or the ceiling is higher than people are thinking. John, um, just just to counter this, would you would you rather have a bag of cashews or Baker Mayfield? Uh, are they salted or unsalted? Uh, they're salted. Oh yeah, bag of cashews. Okay, I actually was thinking about having. Baker Mayfield is a buy low too, Tim. I don't think it's a bad thought. I don't know what to make of him, to be honest with you. I just – he is a buy low. You're right. You don't know what his future holds. Like, the team has committed a lot to getting the pieces around him. I just – I don't know. He worries me a lot right now. I just – yeah. I I mean, I know I've said it a bunch of times. I traded him. It was just – it was very frustrating because he'd have these games where like, okay, he's back like he was his rookie year. He looks really good, blah, blah, blah. And then the next game he comes mm-hmm. out and throws like three picks and can't move the ball downfield and just looks like trash. So I really don't – I mean, it's definitely a buy low, I think. I also meant it is a buy low. Team, but just because when I sent that deal, I didn't tough. even think that would be accepted because that was before the awful Steelers when he still looked like, oh, he – I think you try yeah. to do it and keep your second. I think you try to do it and keep your second. Yep. It's basically free. I mean, it's it's bigger for free. <laughs> but I, but congrats on actually having a player for the buy low. Timmy. <laughs> John, why don't you go into your buy low? <laughs> uh, mine is actually Danny Dimes, a guy that Tim tried to trade away. Um, he's not playing that great. He has three touchdowns, six interceptions, but he does have 200 um, rushing yards, which kind of raises his floor a little bit. Um, but this goes back to, I mean, he has a new coach in there, no preseason. Um, he's shown some pretty good flashes, and he's also shown some Eli Manning-type flashes. Um, but a- after last year, I know we all thought he was going to play a little better. Um, so it's definitely – you could definitely get him pretty cheap. And then hopefully next year they, you know, beef up the O-line, Barkley comes back, maybe they draft another receiver. Um, are we yeah, are, I, are we not afraid scary. of him getting Rosen? Is that not in the back of your mind a little bit? A little bit, but I don't think they're going to get – I mean, the Jets are going to get – As uh, someone. Uh, 
the first pick. As someone so. who owns Jones, they're not and... ours. It's gonna be close, <laughs> dude. Dude, the, the, the Giants could still win the NFC East. What are you? I was just gonna about? say, someone who That's owns Jones story. and Darnold. I'm secretly just holding, not secretly anymore, but I'm holding both because I know that both of them can't get Rosen. It's going to be one or the other, so I'm holding on to both, and whichever one doesn't, I'm going to keep. (laughs) (laughs) But he loses. That's fair. I mean, yeah, obviously that's a concern. God, I love that. But, John, he was my second That's chess right there, Tim. You're playing chess. um, I don't know. Yeah, just because he he can run, which which I mean raises his floor a little bit, and yeah, he's shown uh, he's shown enough for I think for Mayfield for me. Like if I were buying low, I would buy Jones over Mayfield because Mayfield hasn't been able to put it together with this insane supporting cast he has, and for him at least, yes, if yes, but but now it's uh, well, he did his know, first like year. John says, it's not uh, even year. remotely consistent enough. And even the the bright flashes, it's not like he'll drop, you know, 30 in a game. Like Daniel Jones last year had a five-touchdown, zero-interception game. And he had a a couple of the four-touchdown, no-interception games. But for me, it's the fact that Jones, um, the team around him can improve. Baker, the offense, the supporting cast is already so great. And uh, I, I think Jones, if they can put a little more help around him, he could be awesome. Yeah, I mean, they're both just by low young quarterbacks, so. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, that's my, that's that's what, you know, we're going for here. Um, my by low quarterback is Carson Wentz. Um, Carson Wentz has had, no joke, every single offensive skill player and almost every offensive lineman on his team hurt through injury, and he's still putting up 19.5 points per game, and he's still QB 16 on points per game on the year. Um my the, the truth is there's a lot of controversy about Wentz right now. You know, is he going to be the guy there? Um, you know, w- what's what's the future hold for him? And the truth is I still like Wentz. Um, he almost was MVP his second year in the league, and that was when things were going right. Uh, you know, he's going to get Rager back. Uh, Miles Sanders is going to come back. He still is going to have Dallas Goddard next year. I would say if people are, like, willing to give you a discount on Wentz for whatever reason, he's still somebody I'm building around. He's only 27 years old. Yeah, um, I absolutely agree. I mean, the team, other than taking Jalen Hurts in the second, at least they're showing that they're trying to get weapons around him. They have two really – well, Hurts hasn't been playing well, but they have two solid tight ends, and they just got Regor. So I think one more receiver, round out that receiver room, and his situation's looking a lot better. Yeah, wanna wanna tie values really quickly to some of the guys. So, so Tim, you had a, kind of given an example of what you were trying to pay for Baker Mayfield. John, would you pay a an early second on a rebuild for Daniel Jones right now? Mm, probably not. That's about okay. So he's probably a mid to late <laughs> second is what you'd pay. Yep. Okay. I would say. Okay. So he's he's. He's still there. Okay, I would I would probably pay him mid to late. Maybe I wouldn't give my second right now based on my team comp. Um, would you give a mid first for Carson Wentz? Uh, I'd no. say no. Also, just the fact that you could probably Tim? get uh, Justin Fields type of player where his ceiling is higher 
than Wentz. That's more enticing. Uh, okay, interesting. I would absolutely do that. Um, I, I'm not a big Fields guy. I think that Fields is a more of a system college guy. We're going to get into the scouting on him more. Carson Wentz has already shown that he can put it together, and he has all of the tools. Um, if I needed a quarterback and I knew I was going quarterback and I didn't have a chance at Lawrence, I would say after Lawrence, Wentz is going to be better than every other quarterback in this draft. Um, let's go into running backs really fast, guys. I know that we're going to be coming up on time soon here, so we're probably going to kick wide receivers into next week. Um, going into running back by highs, John, why don't you get us started? Uh, by highs for running backs, I actually have Dobbins there um, just because, I mean, he's still not ex- as expensive as, um, you know, Swift or Jonathan Taylor, guys like that. But uh, I think he's shown enough where he's going to be good in the future. Um, his price tag's not super high. Um, just, I mean, I know I own him, uh, and I, I traded for that pick, so I still value him pretty high. So that's why I, I consider him a buy high. But I, I think he's a. I think you can go out and get him. So, would you pay an early first for Dobbins right now if you didn't have him? Would you pay a first that's top three? No, but but maybe back end first. Okay. Know, seven through 10. Cause top, top three, you could get one of these running backs coming out. So, so even not knowing where they would go, you would not. Okay. Interesting. That's, I mean, I that's why we're would. getting into this discussion. Uh, Tim, would you pay a top three first get for top Dobbins? Three first and um, find a running back that has a little bit more of an immediate impact. I'd like that because we still don't know what the running back uh, backfield is going to look like. They even give Gus Edwards touches. Yeah, fair. I I don't think I would either. I think I took Swift at four. I might pay the third overall. I don't think I would pay first or second because that's Jamar Chase and uh, Lawrence territory. So maybe number three. And that's still – there's a lot of other good talent on this. And then I think, honestly, Clyde and, and Jonathan Taylor, you would pay one or two. I think I think they're easily worth one. Um, one. My um, buy high is okay. actually yep. a guy that Tim, you want to go into your buy high? Sold, high, or sold low on, Ronald Jones. He's got consistent production, three straight games over 14 points. Yes, Leonard Fournette was yep. out, but he's produced even with him in. He bulked up considerably. He's got that bell calf size, and he didn't lose explosiveness. He's only 23 years old. It's his third year in the league, so he's experienced but still young. I'd buy him for a mid-first and a mid-second, and I think that you could get him from uh, kind of like one of the – if an owner is looking at him as someone would look at James Conner, they want to move past Ronald Jones and get something a little more consistent where they don't have to worry about a benching. But I think the benchings are behind him. Now, that's interesting. I was thinking about putting Rojo on this list, but I I did not. John? (laughs) I'm very happy Rojo's on this list. He's back. Mm -hmm. But uh, so he is – he's RB12 right now in PPR. Um, I mean, his hands aren't great, but Brady's pumping him the ball, and he looks pretty good. So I think even when Fournette comes back, uh, he's probably going to continue to be the guy. So – we, we, but saying, I don't think you'd have to pay. Giving. I think you could pay a mid first. You wouldn't have to throw a second in there. Well, no shot. Well, this is interesting oh, to okay. me. 
this is interesting to me because we just talked about Dobbins. I, you guys said you wouldn't pay a top three. I don't know if you said you'd pay a mid Depends one. Would you rather have Dobbins or Ronald Jones on your roster, Dynasty? Uh, I mean, probably Dobbins. I'm a rebuilding team. I'd want Dobbins because Tim? his ceiling is higher, but right now his his floor is a lot lower. Ronald Jones, uh, again, he's a number twelve running back right now, and his offense, the offense around him, is sick. So I would want him if I was trying to win right now. I I think, dude. I, let, me, let me let me one more thing. Just as you know, I love Rojo, but uh, dude, it's Arians, Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians could bench him at any minute for no reason at all. It's the only thing that concerns me. Yeah. I think it's Dobbins and not close for me right now. I don't think that Rojo has gotten into some of those tiers. I would rather have Rojo than Akers, I think. Um, pretty, pretty easy. I mean, kind of pretty easily, to be honest with you. But aside from him, I don't think he's in that tier. I don't know if he's in my top 20 dynasty guys, Ronald Jones, because there's just so many running backs that are exciting right now, to be honest with you. Even some of these other guys that are like consistent, like Chris Carson is producing right now. Um, Derrick Henry wasn't even in our top 13 before, even though he's an absolute freak just because of, you know, PPR kind of age. There's some other factors there too. So, you know, I like Ronald Jones and I think he is kind of a buy high. I I don't know if I'm going to give a mid first because I just don't, I don't love it, but he's going to score you points if you're a contender right now. And he is still super young. So maybe that's just my opinion on it. And I'm against the grain on the community. That's fair. I mean, he's not in your top 20, but according to the app that we use, he's number 12. So, well, that's on scoring by results. Dynasty ranks. Nope. Too bad. It is. (laughs) Okay. My, my, (laughs) my running back by high and this one will be pretty quick is Miles Sanders. Um, this is more like a – I don't think people realize that in the games that Miles Sanders has been healthy for and play this year that he's looks really explosive and good with an absolutely garbage line. Similarly to Wentz and why Wentz is a buy high. Um, the reason I put him in the buy high category is because coming into the year, people had Sanders as a top 12 dynasty RB, and I think he's still there. However, with his little injury lately um, – and he not having a you know, crazy blow-up game this past week. You know, he put up 100-plus against the Ravens, who have a, a pretty good line. Um, and he is always going to have that receiving floor. And unlike some of these other guys we're talking about that are splitting the backfield, Sanders has looked pretty steadily the guy. I mean, Boston Scott is coming in every once in a while, but nothing to make you overly concerned. So I really like Miles Sanders. He is definitely somebody I would give any pick so in the first draft four, a guy there I think. hoping he becomes Miles Sanders. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And and super young, so uh, okay. So by um, uh, running back, lows. I just had a brief Tim, little you kick the uh, explanation off. of this. Running back by lows are hard as shit because it's either a guy who's kind of older. If you're a rebuilding team, you're not going to want to buy low on a running back because running backs are expensive and the turnover is really high. So if you are going to buy low on a running back, you do it in the season you're competing. And right now, my buy. Well, he was a buy low until, you know, we just had the three consecutive games. But uh, James Conner. And it's just one of those things, like I was saying at Ronald Jones, there are people that are worried about the stability of him on the roster. Everyone uh, that owns him that I feel like I talk to, they're trying to move away from him and hoping to get a safer player. Yeah, that's a good one, Tim. I'm not – you got Keep you, Mike. Okay. 
Oh no. <laughs> um, my only thing with Connor, so I actually am somebody who did sell him in a league, um, and I was offered what I project to be probably pick seven or eight to ten for him in the first round. So I took a first form and I said, whatever, I'll just like let the chips fall where they lie. Um, I think he's still kind of worth around a late back end first. If you can get that value, it's probably good for you, especially if you're somebody who's not contending. There is a sneaky chance here that based on how he's looked, they re-sign him next year. You might end up getting a running back that's the Steelers running back that's re-signed to a new contract very cheap. Uh, if that happens, then you probably are getting very lucky. I think you're selling if you're moving out because of the risk of him dropping and the bottom falling out. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly where I have yeah, him. Late I agree first, with that. I think, and I, I think am he's still around late first. In our uh, 14 team league, where I'm doing a nice little rebuild. Running backs are hard to come by. <laughs> oh, uh, Kevin definitely wants to sell him. I think Kevin also listens to the pod, so oh, oh no, the knows, guy, the guy who I want right, to trade for, he knows I want to trade with him uh, now. What am I going to do? But he knows why. Now he would still trade him with you. I think he would trade him. Uh, Kevin, if you're listening, uh, Tim's probably going to offer you a bag of peanuts and you should maybe take it. So going into our bylaws, <laughs> going into our bylaws for mine, I'm going with Austin Eckler. Uh, Austin Eckler is a bylaw to me just because he's always a bylaw. It seems like nobody ever wants to pay full price for him, but he looked really good in the games that he was playing with Herbert. And now that we know Herbert's the starter for the next, you know, X amount of years, uh, he is somebody I'm investing in. Eckler is the same age as Elliot, so 25. And if you're willing to buy Elliot, you could have Eckler for a fraction of the price. And they quite honestly, like I know it might sound like blasphemy, but Eckler is likely to put up back in RB1 numbers just because of the way he has receptions. So I still like Eckler a lot. If I, I would pay a mid to late first for him. Absolutely. And as an Eckler owner in one of our leagues, about to because say, he was hurt, a lot of uh, people have injury by lows are really by lows because you, everyone has that feeling of so. when your player gets hurt and they reach out to you and you're like, dude, he's not dead. He's gonna, he's missing two weeks. Yeah. Yep. Uh, just for time's sake, I'll go into my guy. Um, He's kind of a buy low, but I'm going to go with Antonio Gibson just because I feel like there was so much hype coming into the season and even the first couple games. And it's kind of cooled off a little bit because he hasn't really had his breakout game yet and really done anything special. But he's a guy that didn't get a lot of touches in college, so they're kind of like easing him into it. He's already – Peyton Barber's already done. Um, he was the big concern there. And he's been steadily involved in the passing game. So even if he's only getting nine, nine or ten rushes a game, he's he's starting to get, you know, five or six targets a game. And we saw what Kyle Allen did with um, CMC in Carolina. Um, and they've already comped Gibson to him, even though it's not realistic. But I just think uh, the buying window is now because once he has that one breakout game, then, you, you know, you're not going to be able to get him. So that's my guy. And he's, to be fair, I think that's a good call, John. He's still learning the position. He already had a 20-point game. And I think he's had pretty consistently seven to eight most weeks. So, you know, he's been a pretty reliable guy when you consider what a dumpster fire Washington is. Um, I like Gibson. I don't think I'm paying more than a late first for him. 
just because I like what I'm seeing from picks five to seven um, in this draft coming up, I would probably rather have in a vacuum James Conner just because I we know um, what I really he's like him. I would, but those are two interesting a, comp uh, players. Tim, what I, about I'd you? I'd honestly give a late first or an early second for him. Uh, he's on a roster with absolutely no help, and as a running back, that's very tough to produce him. And he's already fantasy relevant, so the you know he can only go up. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. Do you want to just say the names of our wide receivers real quick? Or we could save the wide receivers and discuss them next week. Okay. Do that too. All right. Sorry, guys. We're just giving you the carrot to dangle in front of you, so you have to join next week. Um, With that being said, we are kind of running up on time here, guys. So let's go ahead and close out. Um, Like I said at the start of the pod, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or look out for our posts on Reddit. Um, we're really trying to generate some good conversations with the community. So as you guys have stuff, feedback, things you'd like to hear about more on pods moving forward, we're going to go ahead and try to get that information to you, the people. And Tim is officially a man of the people. So feel free to ask him whatever you want, whenever you want, and he'll probably get back to you. 